Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Series, we started it last week, and we are continuing this series this week, and we're going to go as long as God um, says so. How many know that it's important to listen to the voice of God? Maybe I think at times that is all of our struggle, um, that we think we know how to do it best. But I'm realizing how important it is to listen to the voice of God. And a lot of times God will move. He'll breathe. He'll say, switch things up. He'll do things a little bit differently. And so I'm going to sit in this sermon series as long as God allows us to sit here and stay here. And when he says move, we're going to move. And um, I'm going to do something a little bit different uh, today. I, I told you last week that we're going to be in the book of Daniel, but I believe God is breathing on this scripture that I'm going to preach from today in particular. So are you ready for the word of God today? Yes. If you're ready for the word of God, say, yeah. yeah. Oh, that feels good. That feels good. All right. We're going to be in the book of Acts, the book of Acts, book of Acts, chapter three, the book of Acts, chapter three. I'll read it in your hearing. Now, Peter, verse one, and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful to ask alms of those or from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. And this man fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look on us or look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Verse six, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, what I do have, what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Verse seven, and he took him by the right hand, the right hand, and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked. And entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Today I'd like to preach from the subject entitled, Go, get your legs. Go, get your legs. If somebody's next to you, just turn to the person next to you and say, Go! Go. I ain't say it like you believe it. Go, Go. get your legs. Amen. We're going to pray. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you today. We thank you because you are the living word. You are the living word of God and you never change. God, you remain the same. God, you never have lost a battle. You have lost your way. And we believe you and trust you right now that in all things you would move and move, especially in our midst today. Speak, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 
Speak, Holy Ghost. We give you space right now and opportunity. Speak to our very needs, God, and move in a mighty and a special way. And we give you glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Y'all don't mind, Pastor. Um, Pastor got so many different things going on in his brain. But God is still faithful and he's good. And this is what I love to do. I love to preach the word of God. So are you ready for the word? Y'all like, stop asking me. Um, Go get your legs. This is a um, well-known passage of scripture, and I think it's a great scripture um, that I like to preach from because there's so many hidden truths in this text coming off of the heels of the day of Pentecost that is recorded, recorded in Acts chapter 2. Peter and John are on their way into the temple. The Bible says at the ninth hour or the hour of prayer which means that Peter and John must be pretty religious, pretty traditional, because um, the, the, the move of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 does not remove their traditions. Because God showed up in a special way and he was speaking through them in, in unknown tongues and, and 3,000 people came to Christ on that day, Um, After some time, you see Peter and John going into the temple because it's the time for them to pray. According to their Jewishness, it is their time to pray. So they are able to merge their traditions with their new experience, their new Holy Ghost experience from God. And, And that is important because you have to know that inherently we are traditional. We are very traditional as humans. As much as you like to say I'm non-traditional, you are traditional in some way. My wife, if you would talk to her, she would tell you that her husband is very traditional. That he likes certain breakfasts on certain days. That that I, I, I just have something about me. I don't know, call it a quirk. Call it whatever you want to call it. Call it something weird. But if I eat eggs on Monday, I can't eat eggs on Tuesday. I got to eat cereal on Tuesday. And if I eat cereal on Tuesday, then I can't eat cereal on Wednesday. I've got to eat eggs on Wednesday. I've got this rhythm. I got this rhythm in my life where, where, because when I was little, my mom said, you're eating too much eggs. I love eggs. Omelets, all type of stuff. I, I love eggs. Um, did y'all see on my social media when I went to Ohio? I found this great breakfast spot, and, and I was yeah. Um, she she has a story, but I'm not gonna tell you that part. We went to this great breakfast spot, and I love breakfast. And I love eggs, but I have this rhythm in my life, and and I think it's a tradition. I think it's a tradition, and you've got your own traditions. You like to wake up and do your life a certain way. You like to have your toothbrush in a certain spot. You like to have your clothes a certain way. Maybe it's messy, maybe it's not messy, but you like to have your clothes a certain way. You are pretty traditional. And and every time I start talking, I don't know why, maybe because my son is always in my life and every time I turn around, he's right there. But there's just so many stories when you talk about Caleb David Watson. Because he's traditional too. He is just, uh, I call it probably more OCD. 
He is just, he is just anal about certain things. The door can't be cracked. It has to be all the way closed or all the way open. He likes his clothes a certain way. He likes his shoes to be lined up. If you tell Caleb, Caleb, go put these shoes away in my closet, has to be lined up. And he has these habits. And, and maybe down the road I'll realize why God made him like that. But, but I think it's important for us to understand that we are all traditional in some way. Traditions don't make you bad. Traditions just make you human. And God works with your traditions just as long as your tradition doesn't block his move. Just as long as your traditions don't block what he's trying to do at that particular moment in time. And that's when traditions become a block to God. The Bible says the traditions of men have made the word of God of no effect because your traditions have blocked what he's saying. Your traditions have blocked what he wants to do in your life because you're saying, God, you've got to fit in this box. But in this season, God does not want to fit in your little box. God wants to move outside of your tradition. And Peter and John are going down now into the temple at the hour of prayer. And they come across something. They come across something that I like to focus on today. They come across this man. This man who was laid at this gate called Beautiful. I wonder why they called this gate Beautiful. Probably because it was beautiful. Probably because it was the most beautiful gate in the region. That if you knew, um, if they said the word, the gate beautiful, you knew exactly which gate they were talking about. So you have this man, the Bible says, who was lame from his mother's womb. He could not walk. He never understood what it was to walk. He was handicapped. And the Bible says that every day he was carried to this particular spot. In front of the gate and for an illustration today I'd like to be this lame man y'all gonna y'all gonna be with me today I, I'd like to be this man that begs this man that begs outside of the gate because I want you to see it uh, preaching is about seeing it and and I believe if you could see it then you could understand this text a little better. So, so I want to dress in my begging clothes today. I want to I wanna dress in, in, my, in my begging clothes today. And, and I'm going to ask somebody to close my gate, to close my gate, because I, I, I am this lame man, and, and I'm being laid before this beautiful gate every sun every day the bible says somebody carries me to this gate and and i want y'all to see this this man that is laid don't get my sneakers because you can't be begging to have these clean sneaks you, you can't be begging and have clean sneaks so so you, you, this man is laid 
before the gate. Every day he is carried. Oh, this is significant, y'all. Every day he is carried because he can't get there by himself. So there, there are people that carry him. And I want to talk about carriers a little bit because carriers, you think in the text, the carriers are those that help him. But I would tell you the carriers are more enablers than they are helpers. Because every day this man is laid at this gate. And he is laid there and they carry him. And I want to ask you, who is carrying you? Because you got to be careful of carriers. Uh-huh. You got to be careful of carriers because carriers will carry you as long as you are dysfunctional. But the day that you decide to get up out of your situation, then they don't want to be there anymore. Have you ever experienced people that will, will, will want to help you as long as you don't have a car? Yeah, as long as you don't have a car, they want to drive you wherever you got to go. As long as, long as you are just relegated to taking the bus, they, they just want to help you wherever you want to go. But the day that you decide to get your own car, then they don't want to pick up the phone anymore. They don't want to be your friend anymore. Have you experienced anybody that, that is willing to, to help you out and, and have you stay with them when, when you may not have a place to live or you're down and you're out and, and they're always there to help you out? But, but when you get back on your feet, they're not with you? Because carriers sometimes can be enablers. And this man did not need his friends, his family, whoever it was, to continue carrying him. He needed somebody to give him legs. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. He didn't need somebody to carry him. He needed legs. Yes. And I don't know what you're going through today, but you don't need a carrier you need your own legs. This man sits by this beautiful gate. Can you see the gate? It's hot under here, y'all. <laughs> Can you see this gate? But I feel like this man, because consider how hot he was every day, sitting in front of this gate. And he didn't just sit there, y'all. He begged. He begged. He would ask people for money. And as people would walk by, he would say alms. Or he would say, can you, can you spare any change? Do you have a few dollars for a brother that is broke? And I, and I want to I wanna get some people in here out of the begging mentality. Because you've been begging for too long. Hallelujah. You've been begging for so long that you don't even realize you're still begging after years and years and years. You are still begging. And the problem with begging is that begging carries a mentality. Uh-huh. It carries a mentality that says that you cannot do for yourself. And whatever you get is dependent on whatever somebody else gives you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a tough place to be in. 
Because my Bible tells me that God is my provider. Not you, not, 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 not the job, but God is my provider. And when you beg, you don't allow God to be your provider. And maybe this word is for me. But I believe that God is saying you cannot continue to beg for what you need. You have got to trust me that I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory. So turn to your neighbor and say, stop begging. You got to. Stop begging. This sounds good right here when I'm talking to the floor. Stop begging. This man would hold out his hand and he would beg day after day. He, he was a beggar in front of this beautiful gate. And, and when I read the scripture, I saw this ugly man against this beautiful gate. The juxtaposition that was pictured in this spot every day was an ugly man against a beautiful gate. And that is unique, but it's also kind of normal. Because somewhere in your life, you've got beauty and you've got ugly. <laughs> that, that everything in your life isn't ugly. But everything in your life isn't beautiful. That you've got some things that are working for you, but some things that are not working for you. That some things that are broken, but some things that are fixed. And, and, and sometimes we can look at the situation and we don't see how God often puts ugliness next to beauty. And he will use your ugly against your beauty. To keep you on your knees. Because it's the ugly that causes you to pray. It's the ugly that causes you to seek his face. It's the ugly that causes you to cry. It's the ugly that causes you to trust him when you can't pay the bill. Mm -hmm. You still got the beautiful house, but you can't pay the bill. And, and you got the beauty and the ugly. Uh-huh, but God wants you to be just a little broken enough because it's your brokenness that draws you to his heart. It's your brokenness that gives him room to fix you. Because the Bible says a broken and a contrite heart, God will not despise. So don't look at your ugly and say, God, why is it ugly? Because he needs it to be broken enough for him to have a spot to fix it. And you got this ugly man against a beautiful gate. But it's not just any gate. This gate is the entrance to the temple. Oh, y'all, I got to rest my head. This is the entrance to the, to the temple. What does that tell you? All right. I I'm trying to set a culture of Bible readers in here. Think when you read. Who goes into the temple? Religious people. And every day, you got this man outside of the temple. 
So you have religious people that walk past this man every day. And nobody stops long enough to give him what he needs. He does not need your money. He needs legs. Oh my God, I feel God in here. That if, if somebody only knew what you really needed, <laughs> you don't need what they're giving you. You need legs. And, and isn't it just like religious folk to walk past the people that need God the most? Yeah. And who in your daily life do you walk past every day? And you think that your, your, your little dollar or, or you think that your word of encouragement gives them what they need. Oh, I want to challenge you today. That there's somebody you're walking by on your way to church that needs legs. And if you would look at them long enough, you would realize that everybody's passing them by and they need legs. What is also interesting in the text, y'all with me today. I'm hot. What is interesting in the text? Woo, Lord, I feel your fire. What is interesting in the text is that this man is outside of the gate. And I like to say he's stuck outside of the gate. Because people are on the other side of the gate worshiping while he's on the outside of the gate begging. Think about that, y'all. People are on the inside of the gate worshiping. He's on the outside of the gate begging. Think about that, y'all. There are folk on the inside of the gate worshiping. He's on the outside of the gate begging. And what happens with religion is that religion has gates. And gates are effective because they not only allow people in, but they keep people out. Hallelujah. And the problem in the text, that whatever power they have on the inside of the gate is not powerful enough to get outside of the gate. And is there a problem in the church today? That we've got so much power inside of the gate and not enough power outside of the gate. So we got a world that is dying, a culture that is going to hell. We've got people that are in need of God, but we've got all this power, but it's locked within our gate. But Jesus came to open up the gate. Jesus came to break down the veil. And to open up the veil that was the separation between man and God. Jesus came that what was ever the thing that was outside of the gate would be able to get inside of the gate. And you got this man, oh, that is lame outside of the gate. And he can't get in the gate because... 
He's outside the gate and he's stuck. But there comes along two men named Peter and John. Peter and John. And they come along and this man, the Bible says, looks at them and he expects to receive something. He expects to receive money. But the Bible says that Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this man gets up. I want you all to see he gets up. Because Peter and John are now able to give him what he needs. Peter and John have a boldness that they are able to give him what they have. I think that's good. They give this man what they have. They give him what they have, not what they don't have, but what they have. And, and, and God wants you to give people what you do have. Peter and John are not looking to God so much as they are looking to what God has put inside of them. So they say, I don't have silver. I don't have gold, but I do have something in me. So I, I give you my power and I give you this boldness. I give you what I have inside of me. And, and when you have been in contact with God, you have enough inside of you to be effective and influence somebody that's in need. And if you would just be bold enough to tap into what God has put inside of you, then you would be able to influence somebody that's desperately in need. Because this man is stuck outside of the gate. And Peter and John, they pull him up. And this man, he gets up and he's walking. Y'all with me? He gets up and he's walking because now he has legs. And the question is, how long has this man been without legs? I always wondered. Eddie, how long he's been without legs. There was a man, the Bible says, that was at the side of the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. There was a woman that had an infirmity, an illness of blood for 12 years. But this man was lame. And I always wondered how old he was. How long was he in that condition? And I think this is a powerful text because this man, the Bible says, was over 40 years old. Yeah. He was lame for over 40 years. 
And, and this man begins to walk after over 40 years. I don't know how old you are, but I want to tell you and prophesy to your situation that age is not a factor to God. It's a factor to you. And you feel often like you're too old. You feel like you've been outside of your purpose for too long. But this man had been lame for over 40 years. And God still was willing to move on his life. Oh, we get into the good part of the text. Because now after over 40 years, the man is able to leap. The man is able to walk. The man is able to move because your situation is not too far gone for God to still breathe on it. I don't, I don't know where your finances are. I don't know where you are in your health. I don't know where you are maybe in your family or in your business. I don't know what you've been praying for. But your situation is not too far gone for God to answer your prayer. Oh, I wish I had help today. That if you would believe God that even now after 10 years, after 20 years, after 30 30 years your spouse can still get saved after 10 years after 20 years after 30 years your children can still get off drugs after 10 years after 20 years after 30 years you can still buy your first house because God is still working God is still moving God has not forgotten about you Oh, I wish I had help today. That is a word for somebody in here. God has not forgotten about you. That just when you feel so handicapped, like all you can do is sit there and beg, he sends a Peter and he sends a John along your pathway to give you what you need. And I came to prophesy to somebody this week, look out for your Peter and and your John. Look out for your Peter and look out for your John because they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Touch your neighbor and say they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. God is sending a word. He's sending an email. He's sending a check and it's coming to your house. Peter and John are on their way. And this man gets up after 40 years. And how do you get that, pastor? Because when we read the text, the text doesn't tell us in chapter 3 how old he is. But that's why you got to keep reading. Somebody say keep reading. You got to keep reading. Because I believe, y'all, that chapter 4 is far more powerful than chapter 3. Oh, that what happened in chapter 3 outside of the gate was just the experience. But oftentimes in church, we hold on to the experience and miss the purpose for the experience. 
Why did God save you? Why did God make you like he made you? Why did God give you your personality? Why did God put you in that family? Why did God give you that spouse? You, you, you hold on to the experience. Why did God deliver you from depression? Why did God deliver you from drugs? Why, why, why did God bring you out of the club? And we sit in our experience and miss the purpose. But I believe the power is in the text. When this man goes in the gate, open my gate, please. He, 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 he gets up. Uh, he gets up. He gets up. And the gate opens. And one of the things is when, when you're just getting up. Things don't always work as you expect them to work. So certain things fall out of place. Maybe this man got up and, and like I was about to drop my mic, he dropped some money because he's walking for the first time. And the Bible says, if we go into the last verses of chapter 3, here we go, y'all. If we, if, we, if we go actually to verse 8. We could get verse 8 up. It says that this man leaped up and he stood and he walked and he entered the temple. The gate is now open to him. There is a whole new world that is open to you if you would stop staying outside of the gate. Because you're so happy that God has given you legs. You got to use them. Yes. Oh my God. He did not give you legs for you to walk outside the gate. But he gave you legs to step into the temple. He steps in the temple. And verse 10. Do we got verse 10? Verse 10. I don't know if we have verse 10. Verse 10. Yeah, we got it. We good. It says, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now you got the religious folk that are now looking at this man. Because when, when they left him, he was outside the gate. But now he's inside the gate. And have you ever experienced that folk look at you funny now that you got a little bit of money? Now, now you've entered their space and they look at you funny and say, how did you afford that? Now that you got a successful business because people are so used to seeing you where you have always been. Now that you are where God wants you to be, they're looking at you with wonder and amazement. But God is about to put wonder and amazement into the eyes of your onlookers. That your haters are now about to look at you like they have never looked at you before. I want to tell somebody in here that people are about to start hating on you and looking at you cross-eyed and looking at you weird because now you're in the temple. Wow. 
Oh, oh, and you are okay when you are outside of the temple. But now that you're in the temple, they say, how did you get in here? It's because I've got my legs now. And I want to go to chapter 4. Because chapter 4 is powerful. Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They were upset at Peter and John. Verse 3, and they laid hands on them, the Sadducees, the priests, and put them in custody until the day or until the next day, for it was already evening. Verse 4. I believe this is the power. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Y'all ain't get it. Many of those who heard the word believed, and the amount of people that heard the word and saw this man walking was about 5,000 men. When the Bible says men as a reference to counting, the Bible does not include women and children because the Bible only did a census of the men. Because the men were the representation. Because women and children did not have the rights that they have today. So can you imagine the multitude of people that were believers as a result of this man? And I want to tell you that this is powerful here. Because in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, how many people were saved? Bible readers, approximately 3,000, yeah. On the day of Pentecost, approximately 3,000 people were saved through the Pentecostal experience. And I, and I came up Pentecostal, I'm still Pentecostal. I speak in tongues. I believe you should speak in tongues. It's a deeper connection to God. I believe you're able to tap into a spiritual realm and your spirit's able to connect to God in a way that you've never connected before. It doesn't mean you're not saved if you don't speak in tongues. It just means I believe there's a greater revelation that sometimes you can express it in English. But God will move and cause you to speak in an unknown tongue, in a holy language. And so you got this man that is now in chapter 4. And because he got legs, because he got legs, over 5,000 people are saved. When, when Peter and the disciples have this great Pentecostal experience, but only over 3,000 people are saved. Y'all see the difference? Maybe we've missed the power of legs. Woo! Oh, this is good, God. The, the power is in chapter 4, not chapter 3. Because now... Just by this man getting legs, it's a more powerful moment 
than this speaking in tongues. Oh, that's blasphemous for Pentecostal to say. Y'all don't tell folks back home that I said that. That, that this man, I hope they don't listen to the podcast. This, this man, this man's legs has more impact than their tongues. Woo! Why is that? You got to ask the text questions. Why? Is it so much legs? Or is it the impact of legs? That God will often use a story, a miracle, to do a greater work than your tongues. <laughs> I love it. I love the tongues. But could it be, church, that we are missing the power of our own story that in some area of your life, or at some point, you didn't have legs. But Christ came by, and he gave you legs. And it could be that your story of getting legs can affect far more people than your tongues and your experience. Because your experience with God is a private experience in order to have public influence. I'm going to say it again. Your experience with God is a private experience in order to have a public influence. And the power of the text is that when this man enters the temple, now everybody cannot deny the power of this Jesus that they have just crucified. So I want to speak to all the introverts right here. When you say, I can't be bold like Peter and John. I can't preach like them. I can't go with a bullhorn on the corner and gather people for Christ. I can't email. I'm just an introvert. This man did not say a word. It was his story that spoke for him. It was his story that was undeniable. And your power, introvert, is in your story. And if you would just be bold enough to share your story, your story would have more influence than what you think it would have. The power is in your story. How did you come to Christ? How did you hear about the gospel? What did God save you from? There is somebody out there that is depressed out of their mind right now. Somebody that you know is depressed out of their mind. But because you're holding out how you got free from your depression, that person will never experience deliverance because God is waiting on you to share your story. Turn to your neighbor one more time and say, share your story. And the impact of this text is when they come to the temple. And this man, this man, 
If you got verse 13, I wonder if we got verse 13. Verse 13 says, if we don't have it, I'll read it. Chapter 4, 13. Now when they saw the boldness, and I'm done, y'all, because I'm over time, of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And verse 14 says, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. That is the power of the text. That people can deny, deny some of the things that are going on in your life, but they can't deny your story. And so the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious people, they were trying to do something with this man, Peter and John. But they could not deny this man because of his story. And what happened? The Bible says this man was standing right next to Peter and John. And I'm, I'm trying to tell y'all today, your purpose is to share your story. How do you stand firm in a changing culture? Share your story. How do you help somebody come to Christ? Share your story. You have got to get your legs. Because if you get your legs, it will change your life. And not only your life, but all the people that are connected to you. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www.linkchurch.com linkchurchnc.org.